It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, April 10th, 2023. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. A second proposed location for a residential shelter for homeless youth has been denied by the Sitka Planning Commission following neighborhood pushback. What's next for the $2 million federal project is uncertain. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. In January, youth advocates of Sitka tried to purchase a duplex on Dodge Circle that would house their new residential mental health treatment program, Coastal Haven. YAS won around $2 million in congressional appropriations through Senator Lisa Murkowski's office to build a facility that would provide residential mental health services for teens and young people who are victims of trafficking or otherwise at risk from across the state and in Sitka. But because YAS was looking at a duplex in a residential zone, they had to secure a conditional use permit from the Planning Commission first. But their application was met with pushback and a petition from members of the Dodge Circle neighborhood, and that weighed heavily on the commission's decision to deny the application. So youth advocates went back to the drawing board and they changed some of the stipulations for the program. It now focuses more broadly on teens who are at risk or have experienced homelessness or trafficking. While it would also serve teens who were referred from communities around the state, according to a letter submitted to the commission, YAS has identified three local teens who would qualify for the program. They found a large duplex Oceanside of State Highway Halibut Point Road. They plan to ultimately house 12 young people from age 16 up to 21 at the home, a slightly younger demographic than they'd previously proposed. Planning Director Amy Ainsley says the new proposal saw more community support than the Dodge Circle proposal, including a letter of support from the Sitka Women's Club. But it was also met with equal pushback. Ainsley says during public comment, the commission was presented with a petition with around 40 signatures opposed to the facility. The commission was split as well, and Ainsley says the group spent some time deliberating whether YAS's proposal qualified for the permit. The Dodge Circle location would have been accessed from an easement, a side street that's privately maintained and generally intended for lower traffic. With the new property, residents would not only access it from a state road, but the highway would act as a buffer between the facility and most other neighborhood properties. The YAS application failed 2-3 to three with Commissioners Katie Riley and Wendy Alderson in favor, and Commissioners Chris Spivey, Daryl Windsor, and Stacey Mudry opposed. KCAW reached out to YAS Executive Director Heather Murray, who did not return our calls by press time. YAS has 10 days to appeal the Planning Commission's decision. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. Last week's stalemate in the Alaska House of Representatives over education funding was cold comfort to the Sitka School Board, which is still considering deep cuts in staffing next year. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. The Sitka School District's budget has been in limbo since the beginning of the legislative session in January. Educators across the state have advocated for more school funding, which has not been adjusted for inflation in the last seven years. At its most recent meeting on April 5th, the Sitka School Board considered a resolution urging the legislature to raise the BSA, or the Base Student Allocation, in the plainest terms. The resolution stated that with no action, 15 teaching positions would be eliminated, as well as yet undetermined programs, despite having the maximum funding allowable by law from the city of Sitka. Board member Tristan Gavon sponsored the resolution. I think one other kind of thing I wanted to note on this is that some of the language really focuses around the idea of inflation-proofing the BSA. 
because oftentimes uh, there's a narrative that school districts are just asking for more money, right? We just want more and more money. And I think it's really important to, to emphasize that that's not what we're asking for. We're asking for education funding to keep up with inflation, basically. Actually, the base student allocation has been increased in the last seven years, but only slightly. The $30 boost, Gavon said, represented a half a percent increase in education funding, while inflation over the same period has been almost 25%. To make up that difference, education advocates have been pushing for a funding increase of about 20%, which would raise the BSA from its current $5,960 to just over $7,400. Remarkably, the Alaska House of Representatives last Monday voted almost unanimously to provide a one-time supplemental appropriation for schools totaling $175 million. Distributed across the state, the appropriation would have reconciled the budget deficits in many districts, including Sitka's. But the plan fell apart on Wednesday when the House Republican majority narrowly voted to make the education funding dependent on a withdrawal from the state's savings account, the Constitutional Budget Reserve, rather than paying for it out of regular operating expenses. The withdrawal from savings would cover the state's deficit and allow a permanent fund dividend of nearly $2,700. The mostly Democratic minority considered the move a hostage-taking and walked out of the Capitol, preventing further action on that or any other bill. The gamesmanship didn't do anything to put the Sitka school board at ease as they watched the solution to their budget crisis vanish out the door along with the House minority. Nevertheless, there's supposed to be a peacemaking after Easter weekend, and perhaps a budget will pass the House with money for education after all. But it will still have to pass the Senate, which is writing its own budget, and then get a signature from the governor, who's lobbied hard for the highest permanent fund dividends possible. Sitka School Board student member Felix Myers said it was time for the public to make the case for education by writing or calling their legislators. The damage across the state it's untold if this doesn't happen and so we as a community and as people as of this state need to come together on this and everyone needs to do their part or else you know with all the uncertainty and with everything going on with the budget it it, it might not happen and it will be catastrophic so please everyone do something Myers and other school board members didn't exaggerate the need for urgency. The school board is scheduled to adopt a final budget on April 20th, and that budget will have to be balanced, somehow, either through the cuts currently on the table or the increased funding that could possibly come from the legislature. The Sitka School Board resolution in support of increased state funding passed unanimously. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. The Sitka Assembly on Thursday met briefly to consider whether the group wanted to make any last-minute changes to the budget for the next fiscal year before the final draft of the city's comprehensive budget is published next month. That budget will include up to $8.8 million in funding for the Sitka School District. That's the final number the city administrator is sending to the school board. It includes $7.6 million in instructional funds, around $120,000 in funding for Blatchley Pool, $132,000 
$1,000 for student activities from the general fund and an additional $300,000 from the newly established cannabis tax that will go toward extracurriculars and student travel. Around $360,000 included in the total isn't certain, however. Secure Rural Schools is federal funding for schools and roads that has to be reauthorized every year. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. The Assembly won't learn whether the money will come through until late April or early May. The budget also includes rate increases for all of the city's enterprise funds, a 3% bump in electric rates, 6% increase to water rates, 8.5% for wastewater, 7.5% for solid waste, and 7.3% for moorage. The final draft of the city's comprehensive budget will be published in early May, and the Assembly will consider it on first reading at its meeting on May 9th. Two conservation groups are suing the Environmental Protection Agency over its alleged failure to find analyze standards to protect U.S. waterways from harmful vessel discharges, including those from cruise ships. In a complaint filed in February, Friends of the Earth and the Center for Biological Diversity say that the 2018 Vessel Incidental Discharge Act required the EPA to develop standards for discharges from ships. The lawsuit seeks an injunction that would require the EPA to issue those rules. Much of the lawsuit focuses on the ballast water that ships take on to provide stability. Friends of the Earth Oceans and Vessels Program Director Marcy Kiever says that when ships take on water in one place and discharge it in another, that can help spread invasive species and diseases. Unless you have treatment to a level with which gets rid of these invasive species, when your you know ship exchanges ballast water, you know it's it's an incredible risk. Um, you know just from invasive species alone, let alone the pathogens you might encounter um, from ships coming from all over the world into our waters. An EPA spokesperson declined to comment on the pending litigation. In their lawsuit, the conservation groups say invasive species alone cause more than $9 billion in damage each year to infrastructure for public water supplies, industry, and power plants. But ballast water is only one focus of the lawsuit. Kiever says the groups are also concerned about discharges from scrubbers that reduce ships' air pollution. The biggest rise in um, wastewater pollution that we've seen over the last several years is um, exhaust gas scrubber wastewater, um, which is, you know, basically um, the um, wastewater generated when you use um, a wet scrubber to scrub your smokestack to comply with international rules for Fuel. A Coast Alaska investigation published last year uncovered dozens of reports from independent cruise ship monitors alerting state authorities to foamy discharges from ships operated by Carnival Corporation and subsidiaries like Holland America and Princess. Kiever says those discharges can harm marine life and those that depend on it for sustenance. Lawyers for the conservation groups and the EPA are due to appear before U.S. District Judge William Orrick in the Northern District of California in mid-May. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.